Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right, so we are joined here today by two awesome guests uh, in two very different time zones. So we have Kat Penno um, and we have Andy Bellavia. So Kat, do you want to start us off and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Hey guys, how are you going? Um, as Dave said, I'm Catherine, prefer Kat Penno. I'm an audiologist. I'm based in Perth, Western Australia. Um, I view myself as more uh, I suppose, a um, communication expert or digital tech um, consultant, not just an audiologist. I happen to have the skills in hearing and hearing accessibility, uh, but really utilising the tools of the digital age to help our clients, uh, I hope, engage hearing loss and the hearing experience sooner. And thanks for having me on your podcast. Really excited to talk about uh, Andy today. Totally. And you're also located in Perth, Australia. So you're 13 hours ahead. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, we're recording right now. It's 530 in St. Louis, 530 in Chicago, where Andy is. And it's what, 630 there? 630. Yeah. So good morning. <laughs> Top of the morning. <laughs> uh, Andy, welcome back. I think you're now like, this is like your fifth episode. So uh, for anybody that, that doesn't know you, why don't you just reintroduce yourself a little bit? Sure, and it's always a pleasure to be back, Dave. Thanks for asking me. Um, my name is Andy Bellavi. I work for Nose Corp. We're a supplier of small microphones and speakers for hearing aids most of all, but also hearable devices, music earphones, and mobile phones and the like. And hearable devices and music earphones are my business, so I've been involved in the hearable portion of this business uh, really since the beginning of hearables. Uh, and I'm also personally a hearing aid wearer, so I come at it from uh, you know the point of view of of a customer as well as a supplier. Awesome. Well, thank you both very much for joining today. I think this is going to be a great chat. So to set the stage here a little bit, um, you know, like I said, we're recording this uh, 5:30 p.m. on 6:25, so June 25th, the week of the big um, Apple iOS uh, announcements. You know, as for uh, iOS 14 coming off of WWDC 20. And within this um, you know, developer conference, uh, there's a lot of waves being made within you know, the hearing healthcare industry because AirPods Pro are getting a pretty big upgrade, a pretty big update, and uh, something that we wanna really dive into today. So just to read um, exactly what's gonna be uh, released with this next uh, update, Um, It says headphone accommodations. So it says this new accessibility feature is designed to amplify soft sounds and adjust certain frequencies for an individual's hearing to help music, movies, phone calls, and podcasts sound more crisp and clear. Headphone accommodation also supports transparency mode on AirPods Pro, making quiet voices more audible and tuning the sounds of your environment to your hearing needs. So kind of a twofold thing here, you know, there's something where it's sort of an augmentation aspect for uh, more or less the digital sounds that come through your AirPods Pro, you know, via your phone. And then also the ambient sounds that you're hearing through that transparency mode, um, you know, in those ambient settings, other people's voices and such. So it's sort of like a a digital and an ambient upgrade, if you will, 
and something that is starting to kind of resemble a hearing aid in, in an aspect, you know, or at least a personal sound amplifier, you know, whatever you want to consider it. So Kat, why don't you kick us off? Um, share with us what your original impression of this is and uh, just kind of like your takeaways from this development and the movement that's happening here from a company the size of Apple. R really good question. So um, first of all, I should really note that the language that Apple uses um, that, that puts them, that probably sets them apart in my opinion from the other competitors in the space. So um, Apple are really big on using inclusive and accessible language, inclusive language and accessible features um, for their clients. Um, earlier, late, late last year, I went um, to an Apple inclusive and accessibility event that was featured here in Perth, Melbourne and Sydney and the takeaway message is that um, what happens when we design products is we design, if you think of a bell curve, for the majority of people who sit in the middle of it, whereas um, people on the outliers, they're left out, whereas we're all temporarily abled. So um, we're missing out on um, really designing for an inclusive and accessible world. So a lot of people will start, what this means for hearing loss is, a lot of people will start to acquire uh, an age-related hearing loss, probably around their early 40s, but they won't do anything about it till later. We all know the stats, so I won't repeat them in this episode. And um, by Apple and other major brands shifting into this space, I suppose what we hope as audiologists or hearing healthcare professionals is that our clients will care more about their hearing and then seek out services sooner. Um, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that that's the way it will go be, just because of some user research that I've done with other companies and um, my own. I think I really like a brand like um, a major player like Apple being in this market. Uh, these features here, to be honest, I think the headphone accommodations aren't anything uh, worldly changing. Uh, I think that um, they're almost these stock standard features. And I, I know I saw a post from you, Dave, saying that Apple don't aren't always first to release features, but they usually do it right. But I think these sort of features could have been released um, earlier, especially when they were having a partnership with Gene Resound and their hearing products um, and, the and the cochlear team as well. So I sort of am like, oh, this is great. This has finally come to the market, but I'm also not that impressed by them. Um, in regards to the, the brand and the street cred and, and the loyalty of their, their clients, definitely above and beyond any of the other brands out there. So I think that what will happen is uh, a lot of people will probably transition across to Apple just because they've built this, what they've done smart is they've built this one-stop shop, this healthcare and product ecosystem. And privacy has always been their number one go-to. And I think that will really uh, win out in, in the healthcare space. Um, Andy, probably go over to you for some of your thoughts on, yeah, on the headphone Andy. accommodation. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because I've always been fascinated with the companies who have approached it from making your music experience better. If I think of somebody like, uh, like Anchor or Nura, the Australian company Nura, where they're actually personalizing the audio strictly for music enjoyment. And they don't use terms about accommodation or hearing loss. So they, you know, they describe it in terms of everybody's hearing is different. 
and you'll enjoy the music more if the earphones are personalized to your own particular hearing response. And I feel like this is an entry point for people to start thinking about their hearing and the fact that their hearing is different without using words about hearing loss or deficits or this sort of thing, right? It's personalization. It's not a problem, okay? And to me, that has uh, the potential to get people to think differently about their hearing. And if their hearing loss increases, they just think about different ways of personalizing their hearing, right? Um, which is opposed to the companies who are approaching it strictly from a hearing point of view, like New Hero, who's you're, you're, you're getting into mild hearing loss range. You don't need to spend as much and go through all the friction of getting a hearing aid, but it is a hearing loss device. And now Apple has actually taken a third way by putting it under accommodations and referring to it as an accessibility feature. So it'll be interesting to see how that actually plays out. Of course, the big benefit this is that they have now put this hearing personalization in the hands of tens of millions of people. And by putting hearing personalization in the hands of tens of millions of people, you get those people to think differently. And perhaps, just perhaps, it starts to close the gap, starts to you know, reduce the stigma that goes with needing hearing assistance, whether it's a regulated hearing aid or something else. That's my optimistic view that once people get used to the hearing profiles that you can build into the iPod, uh, into the AirPods, uh, that they'll start to think differently as they age and their hearing gets worse and not be so resistant to even getting a hearing aid. Yeah, I like that. I think um, I like both of what you said there. And I got to ask you, Kat, is obviously in the U.S., this is this is the Apple stronghold. And uh, I'll be fully transparent. Ever since I've had a smartphone, um, which was, you know, back in, I don't know, like 2012, um, I've had an iPhone. I've been an Apple user my whole life. So I've really only known Apple. Almost all of my friends have Apple you know, you get ostracized a little bit if you have the green bubbles, like that's kind of an ongoing joke in America. But I know that's not the case in a lot of the other markets out there. And I always try to, um, you know, I, I always try to like temper my um, expectations and in, in the way I perceive things, because I know that I have an American viewpoint a lot of the times and we're talking about these global companies. And so I'm curious, um, in, in Australia, what's, what's Apple's presence like down there? Um, it's, it's, look, it's probably quite similar to the way you've just described it, Dave. I, I've used both platforms and I'm happy to use iOS or Android platforms. Um, I use both so that when I'm talking to clients, I have a, a good understanding of how each works. Um, I'm currently on a mixture of, of Apple and Android, which is exciting because I get to try out a lot of things. Um, the thing with Apple is I've got a really niche market. so you sound like you fall into that market and I'm not sure what you're using Andy and perhaps you're the same. So look for all the things that I love about Apple. I also hate about Apple and the ease of transferability <laughs> and um, access and transferring information or even using your phone as a basic USB port. Yeah. It grinds me a little bit. Um, mm. I say that similar mentality in Australia and certainly with my group of friends, they'll be like, oh, you, last week you were on an Apple phone and I could just send you <laughs> messages." and this week, yeah, you're back to green and you're not getting my messages straight away, et cetera. Right. And I'm like, yeah, guys, it shouldn't be this hard. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a similar mentality here. 
um, just on some notes that Andy pointed, I think the personalization when it comes to hearing again, and the language that everybody is using um, for their products is going to become a bit, a bit too much for our clients at, at any age range. It's all going to start to sound the same and blend together. Maybe it's already starting to happen for me because I look at this space and I think about it 24 seven. Um, but I really, I really appreciate that the the other brands out there will try to use um, different difference point differences for their marketing, I suppose, is what they're doing at the end of the day. And I think what I actually think will happen in this space is that people will become uh, more attuned to their hearing and their hearing experience. But I'm not convinced that that lag time in doing something about your hearing health or your hearing health care is going to close. Um, I'm really interested in this mild moderate, the normal mild moderate hearing loss category, because that's where for years there's not been much movement. And then all of a sudden, as we all know, the hearables that have come onto the market have really progressed in the last couple of years. Um, but in saying that, you know, we see all these posts on um, Twitter and LinkedIn um, from the other brands, like the guys from you here, they're always saying it's hard to, to, to get so much technology and software into these devices. And that's why brands fail so quickly. So I think, a real point of difference besides personalization will be bang for your buck, what, what people really want to pay for. And so Apple will definitely have say the upper on that looking at all the other, the other features that they've released in the iOS 14 update. I think, Oh, that sounds really great. Live listen. That's a really good tool to use um, with the phone, the noise app. Um, I had some experience with that. The app, the latest 11 pro phone mm-hmm. plus the smartwatch and, and that was really beneficial um just to highlight areas that i just thought oh this is this isn't that loud but i mean that's your brain just being comfortable in everyday noise so right. i think what apple has done well again is build that ecosystem of knowledge it's not just about hearing it's about understanding noise Dave, you probably like the the voice technology. I know Siri's probably at the bottom of the list in terms of its capacity, right, but right. it's there and it's still going well. There's the, the visual capabilities, yeah, the noise alerts if your baby's crying. So that again, positioning themselves as that that ecosystem for everything. Yeah, yeah. and they, they have ahead, they Annie. built a they built a good uh, a good uh, ecosystem around accessibility overall. And you could see why these features that they've just added are a natural extension to that. And, you know, you talk, Kat, about uh, mild and moderate hearing loss. I mean, that's really the target, right? Because so few people with mild to moderate hearing loss get any treatment at all. You know, you just they just start isolating themselves when they're in noisy environments and check out at conversations in restaurants and so on. So, you know, anything that addresses that category, I think, is really good for people's well-being overall. And so I, I hope the what Apple has added here just brings that concept to so many more people because ultimately it will enrich their lives. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, uh, the mild market, the mild to moderate market, we've never seen anyone tap into it, really. I mean, uh, there's obviously a lot of new players in, in the market, and um, I tip my hat to all of them. I think they're great. I, you know, and, and going off of what you said, Kat, like I've made the notion before to Andy, like hardware is really hard. And, um, you know, that's why you've seen companies like Doppler that have fallen by the wayside, like, um, uh, what's the other one, a uh, braggy, 
Um, you know, so anybody that has been in the game as long as some of these original players have, I really, really commend them. And I, it should be noted that like, while we're raving about all this stuff about what Apple's doing at the same time, New is releasing um, the IQ Buds 2 Max, which I think is going to be an awesome device out there. Um, but my whole approach to this and the reason why I get so excited about what Apple's doing is because a, the scale, I mean, they're the wearables king. They've sold a hundred million devices, you know, both between the watch and the AirPods, um, and just like a quarter. And so the amount of devices that are proliferating that are at, you know, by Apple's hand is, is something that's not really comparable to anybody else out there. So that needs to be taken into account. And I also think that just this idea that, um, you know, I, I don't know if we have a solution that exists today that uh, somebody with a mild situational type hearing loss um, would look at an all day device and think I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to wear something that, resembles a hearing aid for a problem that I don't perceive to be an all day problem. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a device that, you know, I, I don't think that this is going to be something that's a catalyst for like, now I'm going to suddenly buy AirPods pro because I have a hearing loss. And now this is a solution for me. I think it actually comes from the other end where you own AirPods pro, you get this update mm -hmm. and you realize, Oh, wow, this is pretty nice. This is a kind of a, this is a nice new addition. And that for me is, I think the biggest game changer that we've seen yet, because you have so many people that kind of to your point cat with the whole like decibel reader on your, on your Apple watch, where you're, you know, the dentist is like, I am in this environment every single day and their brain has gotten used to operating at, you know, in a work environment that's got a sound level of 95 decibels on a reoccurring basis. And then their brain kind of gets, you know, accustomed to it and they don't even realize they're living in this like environment that is conducive to hearing loss. And I think it's kind of the same thing where it's like you get this, um, you, you introduce people again to the sounds that maybe they've forgotten, you know, so they turn their AirPods Pro on again that they own that they didn't buy for this reason. They bought them because they're in the Apple ecosystem and they want all of the other really cool features of that. And then now they're being reintroduced to that. And I think that the hearing healthcare professionals have a tremendous opportunity here to embrace this idea where again, we've never, I mean, the, the vast majority of the professionals that Oak tree works with um, the hearing aids that they're selling are to people that have moderate to severe hearing loss. And so if you look at it as a pyramid, which is usually what's presented in the industry as, you know, you have this huge foundational base at the bottom that's mild to moderate I don't think people have really tapped into that. We haven't really tapped into that yet. And so I think that I'm not sure if that's the market, if, if that market's even designed for something like a hearing aid, something like a all day device. I think it's more like introducing them to the solution as a concept and saying like, this is what amplification sounds like. This is what being able to hear again sounds like mm -hmm. and making them yeah. to kind of familiarize themselves with like, I have a hearing loss because that's, I think at the core of this seven year gap that you hear about where it's like, you know, you identify, I have something, but then it, it's again, it's like the dentist thing where you kind of, your brain acclimates to that. You get comfortable, you get used to it. And then it depreciates to the point where it's like, you know, Hey dad, you can't, I'm, you're saying what every other word. So it's, that's my whole opinion on this is that I think that it has this opportunity to serve this role of a introductory aha moment kind of device. 
And I'd like to ask Kat a question yes. about that um, with a preface that I think in the beginning you said with Apple, it's all about scale. And I agree. Like, I wouldn't be surprised after this is out there a year that Nuhira sales double and triple because Nuhira is geared to be mm -hmm. a pure hearing device with an audiology grade tuning algorithm and all that, right? Now, granted, we haven't seen what the Apple device is going to do, but I think it's exactly what you said. You now have tens of millions of people exposed to it, and some of them are going to look for, you know, true hearing assistance up and down the range. So I think it's going to have a positive effect on companies like Nuhira. And the question for you, Kat, is do you think at some point, especially as people age out and they start to see, you know, the, the hearing accommodation adjustment from a device like Apple's or Nuhira's running off the end of the range, do you think that will then pull in additional business for full-grade hearing aids, or is that just wishful thinking? Honestly, I think that is an excellent question. I think that is almost wishful thinking, and here's why. So. Dave, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that um, that's exactly what Apple do is people, as a general statement, people don't perceive, people don't know what they don't know. So they're coming to us too late. The example you gave, um, I'm coping fine. Usually other people notice your hearing loss first, are statements that we always hear um, from a clinical perspective. So first of all, people don't know what they don't know. They'll get AirPod Pros. And then they'll have a bit of an aha moment. Oh, my hearing's not that good, but I'm still not going to do anything about it because these devices are good enough. Even if the device says you're in the moderate to severe hearing loss category, we suggest you go see a healthcare professional. The, the biggest crux here is that behavioral element. Where are people on the psychological journey? Where do they want to go? And I've seen people use other hearable devices and I strongly recommend they upgrade or go, not upgrade, sorry, go and see a healthcare professional for a full diagnostic test and they're like mm, don't need to and that's because of the value we place on our hearing itself so what i think and i think you're absolutely right is that people have these aha moments that i like the word client patient just because the connotations that are attached to the word patient are very different from client so mm -hmm. yes there i acknowledge that there are complex hearing losses that um you definitely need to see an audiologist hearing healthcare professional or ENT for and i and i think um that that 10 percent or or less of people born degree from moderate on uh shouldn't well i mean i've seen it before clinically as well when I used to work in traditional bricks and mortar clinics people would come in with uh, hearable devices and say I just want to use these I don't want a hearing aid yeah um so I, th I think what will happen is there won't necessarily be a natural transition from hearable to hearing aid as we're all hoping will be the spectrum um I think hearing aid companies are going to take uh after COVID it's going to be a long time for them to to recover financially and mm with that comes the question of the stigma all their marking materials as you said earlier andy pivot around hearing loss whereas these hearables are fun sexy cool modern um, let's talk about hearing in more of that bluetooth modern connectivity sort of way um, hearing health that you can own yourself and and i think that's the beauty of hearables or wearables i think they'll make us more aware of our healthcare, but are they enough to help us change our behavior and perhaps progress over to a medical grade device or care 
I'm not convinced that that's what will happen. So yes, I agree. Companies like um, Nuhira, the Neuras or Deeras of the world probably capitalize upon this situation as well. Um, and does that come down to them understanding this, this market and the wants and needs of the clients more? Perhaps. Yeah. So Andy, this is to you now. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of formulating this essay that I'm going to write in my head right now because I, I'm so, I, what captured my attention at the WWDC was the, the whole narrative around at Apple around, you know, their internal chip efforts. And I think this is so interesting that like Apple has gone in 10 years from outsourcing all of their chip production now they do everything in-house and the big sort of like nail in the coffin was now they're going to have their own like Apple Silicon, which is they're basically going to replace Intel's chips in the Mac, which was kind of like the 10 years ago, if people would have said that they would have said like, that's inconceivable that they would be able to build their own chips for a device as sophisticated as like the laptop computer. And now they're doing it. And obviously as a dovetail to that is the fact that, you know, I think a big part of why AirPods Pro are on the cusp of innovation here and a lot of the other manufacturers in this space can speak to this too. It goes to what Kat was saying earlier about, you know, how the new Hera guys were mentioning that it's just really hard to do this in a super small device. But this is something that you and I have talked a lot about, which is that as we move further along into the 2020s, so much of what's going to be innovated upon is actually going to be down at that chip level. It's going to be the DSP chips. It's going to be this H1 chip. And the if it's the H2 chip that comes along afterwards, um, I just think that I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this as to, you know, the fact that it sure seems like Apple is in the position that it is right now to, to, to start to really unleash some really cool, interesting applications largely due to these innovations that they're having at that semiconductor level. And I'm just curious, like what, what, what's your take on that? Oh, I think it's going to accelerate the innovation. Like there is no tomorrow. And the real question I have is what happens when the battery life gets high enough to support all day wear in a consumer product device right now, the big trade-off is that you have in the hearing aid world, very customized ASICs, made with semiconductor processes that consume extremely low power, but they're more expensive. They're not consumer devices. But I mean, if you look at the devices I wear, it's a small rick, you know, it's half the size of AirPods Pro. And, you know, I've been Bluetooth for half the day and wearing them since six in the morning and, you know, there's still life in the battery, right? Uh, now, companies like Qualcomm and Apple have a little bit been pushing the battery life, but if you look at Apple, they've kind of stabilized around five hours. They keep adding more features and maintaining five hours because situationally that's just fine. But at some point, you're gonna have all of the innovative features you want, the ability to run, you know, hearing health quality algorithms and so on, and then watch the battery life start cranking up and up and up. And I think it's a real question when you start to get five hours, eight hours, 12 hours, and 16 hours out of consumer hearables, what happens? How does that overturn the whole ecosystem of both hearables and hearing aids? Okay, it's gonna be very, very interesting. Now, 
there's always going to be people from, you know, moderate to severe and beyond who are going to need professional hearing care because it's more than amplification when you, you get into that range. This cat obviously knows better than I, and I know from personal experience that once you get the severe, it's not just equalizing for your ear. There's a lot of other things that have to be done, you know, to maximize intelligibility out of a damaged ear. So you'll always need professional assistance. Uh, but what happens to the actual hardware itself and how do hearables and hearing aids become more blended? It's going to be very, very interesting going forward. So Kat, if we're moving toward sort of this vision that Andy's painting here, where you do have sort of a convergence of the two and, and down the line, like maybe the hearing aids and the hearables are indistinguishable. They're all sort of the same thing. And obviously maybe some are specialized in some different ways. Um, I don't doubt that at all. I think there's going to be a whole lot of different types of specialization. As a professional, you know, that's dispensing these types of devices, but also, like you said, you're, you're a digital consultant, like in many different capacities. How do you view the evolution of this profession, of your profession, um, as the devices, as it becomes less of a product-based type thing where these things, again, they might be Apple devices, they might be Samsung devices, they might be Sonova devices, you know, it could be any one of these different companies. Um, how do you look at this profession, I guess, in, in this, in your role, if you will, uh, taking shape, you know, as the technology continues to mature over time? Good, good question. Really great point, Sandy. Um, I view it as a hybrid or blended model. So I think there'll always be a need for a bricks and mortar clinic, um, but with a very heavy uh, digital or online aspect. And the way um, audiologists, and, and this will come from the educational level needs to evolve is uh, we need to be more based in the counseling space or the coaching space. So a really good understanding of the psychology, behavioral economics, motivation. Um, I see the courses evolving um, from that at the educational level. So what we're doing at universities now um, should transition across to include more of those units. At the end of the day, what I think will happen to healthcare professionals, especially audiologists, is that we'll become data analysts. So people will come to us and they'll already have some data that they've lived with, um, perhaps from the Apple AirPod Pros, New Hero products, Neuro products, or Dear products. And they'll say, oh, I want to know a bit more about this. And then we become this coach or facilitator in the middle. A lot of other countries um, already are starting to advertise for this, these roles. And New Zealand is one of them. So they've got, I think, uh, I saw an ad for a health a healthcare data coach um, and it was positioned almost like I had a cycling coach back in the day and these were his services and I was like, that's what I need to get to where I want to go. And I think we'll transition across to that space. I think there will be a big focus in the coming years on a subscription as a service model. So it's almost like you can buy and, and, and I think we saw some people doing this in this space and this might be a podcast for another time, but you'll have you'll sign up to whoever you want to be coached by or guided by online perhaps or in the clinic. And then you'll download an app that I might have as a healthcare professional and I'll upload your rehabilitation program. And then I, I might have a column or an accessible port where you might just add certain subscriptions or features that you want to your program and also to your device. So that I think there'll be that good convergence of 
perhaps subscriptions that you can add on all these extra bells and whistles do you want to add on um, the premium plan for your um, rehabilitation and it'll sort of evolve evolve from there I love that. That's such a interesting thought is that you, I mean, I've thought about like the idea of like subscriptions, you know, everything seems to be moving in that direction where subscriptions are sort of everywhere, but I've never really quite thought along those lines where you might actually just be subscribing, if you will, to your professional. And then the professional, like that's your job is that, you know, you're doing your, your, basically guiding this person and this person and that kind of fills up your day. Um, so one other point that I want to kind of close upon here is that, you know, building off of what you said, one of the things that I really like about Apple is that it is this ecosystem. And I think as an ecosystem, it permits them to do a lot of really interesting things, things that aren't necessarily exclusive to just Apple. And so one example of this is, you know, I, I saw in the hearing tracker um, article, uh, that Abram and, and the hearing tracker team posted, they had some screenshots in the beta of what this is going to look like, this headphone audio customization. And so basically in it, um, and I'll put this in the show notes, uh, you know, you can, you can either just toggle it slight, moderate, strong, and on like a slider, real basic, or you can actually customize it. And um, in it, you can either take like a little bit of a test that's administered through your AirPods Pro, or you can up, upload an audiogram. And this actually beckons back to an update, uh, and, and this is so Apple, they do this all the time, where they'll update, they'll, they'll introduce a feature that doesn't, it's like kind of ambiguous, and then they'll clarify it in a later update, and that's exactly what they did here, where they said that in Apple Health, you could upload an audiogram, and now we're seeing why. And so I think this is really interesting, because you have companies like Mimi, where you could take a... Uh, you could take a hearing test through their app and then, um, and I could see this being again, like kind of a third party little ecosystem that starts to form around this where you can upload them into uh, these kinds of things. So you take a third party test and then you then basically use that to establish your profile. And I look at this and I say, I think this is interesting because it shows that again, there's this role that the professional can play because again, if you, if you view this through the lens of the average consumer, uh, they might say that, you know, oh yeah, I can just do this slider thing. And they see that there's this custom option, but they don't know a whole lot about it. I'm curious, Kat, do you think that this is something that a professional has the opportunity to, to embrace and say that this is part of your consultation is that do you have a pair of AirPods Pro um, or are you interested in anything that comes down the line that fits the same bill that would, again, allow for me to bill you for my time or add this as a service package or something like that where I can actually walk you through it. I can guide you through maybe these great third-party apps that would be available to better enhance this functionality that you are already aware of, but that you can take it a step further with these like advanced features. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, you and Mark Trong have had this discussion about the genius bars and, you know, I was a bit conflicted about that when I first heard and then I went and had a great experience at the genius bar just this week, <laughs> much on a side note, much to my husband's dismay. I, I didn't back up any of his data, but it's a topic for another day. Um, the genius bar, I suppose, is exactly how I, I view it for healthcare. Uh, but I found the Genius Bar just really transactional, which is what Apple has become as well. And I'm sure if other brands like Samsung did this, 
it would operate in a similar way where they can go, oh, your phone's not working, so I'll just give you a new replacement one because for them, the cost of trying to figure out what's happening is is going to outweigh just replacing the whole phone. So I think um, from a professional point of view, absolutely there's uh, an area for us as audiologists to, to, to leverage these 30 third-party applications in the healthcare space but also to um, leverage these bigger brands to funnel people into our clinics. Um, I'm not sure how that marketing spiel or, or that pitch would, would sound or work, um, but there's absolutely a good opportunity. And I'm sure there's lots of other audiologists out there already trying things in their bricks and mortar clinics. My thing with bricks and mortar is the overheads. If you don't have a strong digital presence, your overheads can simply not survive well on referrals in the coming years, it's been great like that in Australia and, and probably in the States and, and the UK to some extent, but I think we're really going to see a decline in um, just a strong referral base from word of mouth or, or on Medicos. Yeah, and not to mention that it's really brittle when you look at it in light of something as unexpected as a pandemic. Um, so I agree with you. And I think that's really interesting thoughts. So as we wrap up here, I want to give you each some closing thoughts here. Andy, let's start with you. How do you, you know, look at this whole thing and what like what's really on your mind with this? Like how how are you coming out of this and thinking like, okay, like what does this all mean in your opinion as we move forward? Because obviously in my opinion, like we're just getting started. Like this is just going to keep, we're going to keep seeing more and more types of updates. If Apple's doing this, you have to imagine that its competitors are going to be doing like Google's going to be doing stuff like this. Samsung's going to be doing stuff like this. Um, you know, I wouldn't put it past any of these companies. Amazon even might be getting into something like this. Who knows? Not to mention all of the different third party providers. So closing thoughts. Yeah. Ultimately I am hopeful. I mean, today's, today's younger or middle-aged tech-savvy person who runs around with something in their ears all the time and increasingly gets exposed to these concepts like personalization will eventually be tomorrow's, you know, full-fledged hearing aid wearers, hearing aid wearers, regardless of the exact form that takes. And so, you know, my hopeful nature says that I think sometime between now and 20 years from now, a far greater percentage of people are going to get the hearing care that they need. And it's really going to be a life changer for a lot of people. I just don't know how long it takes to get there, but I'm ultimately hopeful that this sort of stigmatization and low adoption rates is slowly becoming a thing of the past. Yeah. I'm the same as you, Andy. I'm not, I'm an eternal optimist. So I believe that if people can manage their health sooner, uh, whether it be preventative or truly managing it, I'm a big fan of that. I believe in healthy aging across the lifespan. And so whilst um, I'm a big advocate in the, the hearing and hearing loss and protection space, I think that if, if Apple is going to create this really unique healthcare um, ecosystem, then of course I'm going to work with them to help them make it more accessible to people because at the end of the day uh, with the aging population we want people to have good quality of life good quality of connection not to be socially isolated to be as connected as they can so um, I agree with all your points that you've said I think I'm optimistic for our future and how we choose to design or work within these spaces will um, really set us apart from those who choose not to transition across to, I suppose, uh, the new look of the healthcare professional. Yeah, no, I think that's so well said, both of you. And I, 
couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm an optimist as well. And I try to just try to like bring it down sometimes, but I can't help but feel excited about this industry. And, and, you know, ultimately, like I said at the beginning, you know, this is a portion of the patient base that hasn't really had many things that I think really speak to them. Um, you know, it's like a hearing aid's great, but it's not really designed for somebody that just has a mild hearing loss. And so, uh, but we know that this is a, this is something that you tend to, you know, it's, it, 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 it just progresses. It's, you know, progressive hearing loss is a thing. And so I think that the earlier you can introduce people to the fact that they do have a bit of a loss and that, um, you know, and, and get them in front of a professional. I think that's the key here is that you introduce them, they establish that relationship and they work on preserving their hearing for as long as they possibly can. I think that's the big key here. And, and if it means that they're coming through your doors because, uh, AirPods were a gateway or New Hera was a gateway, um, all the more better. I think that the professionals have a great opportunity to really embrace this as sort of like a lead generation tool, if you will. So I look at this as positive overall for the industry. Um, but I think to Kat's point, you're going to have to be nimble here. I think people are going to have to be dynamic and figure out ways uh, to kind of be savvy and, and adapt to a lot of this different change. So Thank you two very much for joining me today. This was a fantastic discussion. Loved being able to really kind of break down some of this really big news that's happening in this space. Thanks for everybody who tuned in this week and we will chat with you next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.